The appointed gospel lesson for the fourth Sunday of Easter is from the gospel according to John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, Uh, but we're going to read one extra verse. Uh, Technically, we're supposed to wait until this Sunday next year to read verse 11, but that's just an arbitrary and man-made rule, so we can break it without incurring any real guilt. And besides, it might be the best part. Uh, You can find this reading on page 759 of the Pew Bible. Please stand as you are able for the gospel. From John 10, we begin reading at verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Dear sheep, sometimes we start a sermon by saying, dear saints, and this is to remind us who we are in Christ Jesus, and this is an overwhelmingly positive term to be called saints. This is always true and appropriate. But today we say, dear sheep. This also reminds us who we are in Christ Jesus. It might not be the most flattering term, Sheep do not have a reputation for being the most intelligent animals, nor are they known to be particularly ferocious. On the predatory prey spectrum, sheep are toward the prey end, just above grass. (laughs) So I do not expect any of you to feel flattered when I say, dear sheep. But there is something very, very good about being sheep, and it really has nothing to do with the nature of a sheep, but everything to do with our good shepherd. If you're going to be a sheep, you might as well have a really good shepherd, right? Jesus is that good shepherd who knows his sheep by name, calls to them, and leads them. He guards them from all evil and leads them safely through the darkest perils of life and even death. He spares no expense and holds nothing back. He values his sheep above all things, even his own life. In our text, Jesus uses two different metaphors to describe himself. First, he says, I am the gate or the door of the sheep. 
He talks about shepherds entering through the door to the sheep pen and contrasts that to the thieves and robbers who try to sneak over the wall. The sheep represent the people of God. Those who are called Israelites in the Old Testament are Christians today. Uh, And then there are various kinds of people who are trying to get to the sheep. Now, some are shepherds and some are thieves. In the context of the Gospel of John, uh, you'll notice that Jesus, he's starting to get in some hot water with the Pharisees and other leaders of the Jews. In chapter 8, they were mad at Jesus because he claimed to be God. Then in chapter 9, they get mad at Jesus again because he healed a blind man on the Sabbath. Their hatred for Jesus is really unreasonable, uh, so they are starting to reveal themselves as false shepherds. We call them thieves and robbers. Then at the end of chapter 9, Jesus calls them blind. And now in chapter 10, he pokes them in their blind eyes by implying that they are not true shepherds of God's sheep, but are really thieves and robbers. And the reason they are thieves and robbers is simply because they do not enter through Jesus. Jesus is the gate or the door to the sheep. And anyone who tries to get at the sheep without going through Jesus is a thief and a robber. True shepherds always enter through Jesus. That is, they come in Jesus' name, proclaiming the good news of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, this is instructive both for pastors and for Christian laypeople. The word pastor, by the way, it simply means a shepherd. So a true pastor is someone who does not come to fleece the sheep or slaughter them or make a profit off of them by some other means. He also does not come with his own opinions. He comes with the words of Jesus. That is what it means to come in Jesus' name. So this is obviously instructive for pastors. It tells them what they are supposed to do, Uh, but it applies to more than just one of us. It is also instructive for Christian laypeople. The sheep need to recognize the voice of the one true good shepherd, ideally coming through uh, the voice of their pastor, not some other voice coming through him. If they follow a a fake shepherd who is really a, a thief or a robber, then their souls may be led astray or even killed. Now, this is serious. This is why you should all study and learn the scripture so that you can learn the voice of your good shepherd. That is Jesus. And then discern whether or not your pastor's words are simply an echo of the good shepherd's voice. Because it is not really your pastor, after all, who leads you. It is the good shepherd who leads you. Your pastor is really just another sheep who has been called to speak to you the words of the good shepherd. So this, as best as we can tell, is what Jesus means when he says, I am the door of the sheep. The one who comes to the sheep through Jesus, speaking the words Jesus has commanded, that man is a true shepherd. Now, lest we think that pastors are our true leaders, Jesus uses a second metaphor to describe himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is really interesting. If we think about this for, well, more than just two seconds, we might realize that sounds kind of crazy. Who ever heard of a shepherd laying down his own life for the sheep? 
that really doesn't sound like a good shepherd at all. If anything, uh, it kind of sounds more like the incompetent shepherd. If you've ever had a job that was even remotely hazardous, probably the first thing they taught you in orientation was safety, right? Even if you have a desk job, they teach you things like, you know, how to not stab yourself with a pencil. We hear the words safety first so often that they have become a cliché. Your job is not as important as your health, and everyone knows this. And unless you're, I don't know, a soldier or a police officer or something like that, you are definitely not supposed to die at work. And even then, you avoid it as much as possible. The first rule of pretty much everything in life, from skydiving to video games, is the same. Don't die. And it's so obvious that it's rarely even stated. Don't die. I mean, that's pretty much the first rule of everything in life. Because if you die, then you can't do anything else. So when we read about this shepherd who willingly dies for his sheep, well, we feel kind of bad for the guy because that's a tragedy. But seriously, how foolish can you be? As sad as it might be, that's the pinnacle of incompetence. A good shepherd does not lay down his life for the sheep. First, if the shepherd is dead, then the sheep are really defenseless. I mean, they're only safe as long as the shepherd is alive. When he's dead, the wolves, they can have their way with the sheep. And then second, and really most importantly, it's just backward. The roles are reversed. In a typical shepherd-sheep relationship, there comes a point where the sheep die in order for the shepherd to make a profit and feed his family. That is the desired outcome of the shepherd-sheep relationship. The goal is to, you know, get a little bit of wool along the way and eventually get the sheep to slaughter. And if you, if you happen to have sheep who are prone to wander, then you might want to think about sending them to the slaughter a little bit early, before they have the chance to get lost again. That's what a good shepherd would do, right? But notice, that is what a good shepherd would do, and it's not what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and it's not incompetence. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows this is the best thing to do for the sheep. He knows that he won't stay dead forever. And he knows this is the only way to lead his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. Whenever we read about our good shepherd, we naturally think of Psalm 23, don't we? And it starts out so peaceful and serene. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now that sounds very nice, doesn't it? And it is. This is a, a picture of how our good shepherd provides for his sheep. And he leads us through this life. We kind of wish the psalm would stop there. But Jesus doesn't lead us from green pasture to green pasture forever. Eventually the green grass and blue water gives way to something dark. The psalm takes a dark turn. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the psalm takes a dark turn as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we know that if our good shepherd's return is further delayed, this is a valley we all must pass through at some point. But even then, we are not alone. Even then, our good shepherd is with us, and he leads us through it. He is able to lead us through it because he has been there. He has passed through death and has emerged victorious on the other side. The good shepherd lays down his life, and he also takes it up again. Now, we think of death as being a very permanent thing. That's how it looks. We see people die a lot. But we don't see them come back to life very often, at least not yet. So from our vantage point, as we all descend toward this valley of death, it looks very permanent. It looks like once we get there, we won't be coming out. But you know, Jesus descended into the valley of the shadow of death. But the valley was not deep enough to hold him, and the shadow was not dark enough to prevent the light of the world from shining again. Jesus passed through the valley and emerged victorious on the other side of death. He was dead, but he is not anymore. He lives forever. Our good shepherd did not merely go into the valley of the shadow of death. He passed through the valley. And he did this for one simple reason, so that he can lead his sheep through the valley as well. All the way, the good shepherd leads his flock. It is not merely among the green pastures and the quiet waters that our good shepherd leads us, but even in the darker moments of life, including the darkest hour of death, our good shepherd leads us. So as we approach the valley of the shadow of death, and even as we pass into that darkness, we can say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The sheep are led by their good shepherd all the way, so we cherish that word through. And notice this important little detail. The psalm doesn't say, even though I walk into the valley. No, it says something much more blessed. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you notice the difference then. We don't stay there. The valley is not deep enough. The shadow is not dark enough. Our good shepherd has passed through it, and he will lead us through it as well. All the while, we hear the voice of the good shepherd calling us and comforting us, saying things like, your sins are forgiven, or I am the good shepherd, or I am the resurrection and the life, and many other comforting promises in his word. All the way, the good shepherd speaks to us through his word, so we hear his voice and follow, knowing that he will lead us to where he is now in our eternal home. So the beautiful psalm continues. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now think about that. Now the sheep find themselves in an altogether different place, don't they? Whoever heard of sheep sitting at a table? And whoever heard of sheep dwelling in a house? 
Green pastures and still waters sound nice, but on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death, our good shepherd leads his sheep into the house of the Lord, and there we shall dwell forever. The sheep hear and listen to the voice of the good shepherd. He knows his own, he calls them by name, he leads and guards his sheep at all times. Even in death, he leads and protects his sheep because he has been there. He has passed through it and emerged victorious on the other side. So now he also leads and protects his sheep through the darkest valley of death so that he might bring us through on the other side to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.